obviously, uh, it's Mother's Day, and we want to celebrate all women in the house today because we all know that women have this nurturing gift for uh, taking care of kids, loving them well. And uh, on Fridays, at times when I have time on my day off and that, I'll substitute teach in the preschool area in the schools or first grade or whatever, and I was in first grade on Friday, and primarily you're around women. And I'm always incredibly impressed how much they love these kids. They are awesome at loving these kids. And so if they are not getting love in other areas of their life, they are getting love in our schools. And I am just so impressed and always feel great when I leave after the day. And so thank you, women for what you provide in our lives. But I I love that video, you know, stuff mothers never say, right? And why is it mothers never say those things? Well, the reality is it's because they're not placed in a child's life to butter them up or they're not placed in a child's life to bypass their child's responsibilities for growing up, but they're placed in a child's life so that they can help them develop Christ-like character. And for each of us adults in the room, that is our responsibility for youth and children around us is to pour into them and to develop them with Christ-like character. We see in our world today that there's plenty of adults that take advantage of youth and children. But our goal and our position is to make sure that we're building up our kids with Christ-like character. And that is a strong position of a mom or a woman within a child's life. Proverbs 14.1 says this, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish one tears hers down. So what does it mean for a wise woman to build her house? Now, all kinds of women build their homes with the most square footage that they can afford, right? I mean, they find technology that's going to make life easier for them, and they fill their home with comfort and pleasure. They make it their home. But a wise woman who builds her home, instead of tearing it down, does not have her focus on building her home with wood or textiles or technology. But a wise woman's main focus is to build her home on biblical love. Because we all recognize that it doesn't matter if you have the nicest drive or even the nicest looking home. If you live in a popular area, When you drive home and you cross the threshold of your house, if there's not love in there, nothing else matters. Life stinks. Life stinks. Doesn't matter what you're driving, what you're wearing, where you're working. If you don't have love within your home, it's difficult. It's hard. It's always interesting when it comes to moms because they sort of have their own dictionary of meanings 
when it comes to certain words, maybe, and, and how they think about them. Like a dumbwaiter, one who asks if the kids would care to have dessert when you're out to eat. Well, of course they're going to say yes, right? I mean, feedback, the inevitable result when the baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. You get feedback, right? <laughs> it comes up. You know, the meaning or definition sometimes for grandparents, the people who think your children are wonderful, even though they're sure you're not raising them the right way, right? I mean, that's how it goes. Independent, how we want our children to be for as long as they do everything we say. You know, hey, I want you to be independent, but do what I say, right? Puddle, which today in the rain, a small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes to it. I mean, that's just reality. And then a show-off, a child who is more talented than yours is a show-off, right? I love the idea of sterilize. What you do with your first child when you boil their pacifier on the stove. But for your last child, you basically spit on it with your saliva and wipe it off under your armpit and stick it back in their mouth, right? I mean, that's how it goes. And then the two-minute warning has nothing to do with football, but when a baby's face turns red and they begin to make those familiar grunting noises, you know what's going to happen in a couple minutes after that. But when it comes to the definition or the meaning of love, a wise woman or a wise person does not build their home based on the world's definition of love, but they build their home based on God's definition of love. And as we are walking through this series called Indispensable Love, we are looking at 1 Corinthians 13 in the New Testament, the new part of the Bible, that gives this definition of what love is to look like. And so last week, we looked at the whole idea of how the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, the first three verses... He's talking about all of the opportunities that we tend to focus on in our lives or we tend to build up in our lives instead of building up our ability to love. He says, hey, we build up our talents. We build up our physical assets. We build up our resume. We build up our travel experiences. We build up our religious practices, even. We build up our public position. Who are we in the neighborhood or the community? Yet, we fail to build up our ability to truly love. And so, he goes on then in verses 4 through 8, and he gives 13 characteristics of what love is, and what love isn't. And last week, we looked at the first two characteristics of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. And today, we're going to be looking at the next three characteristics of what love shouldn't be. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he says this, love is patient. Love is kind. But it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
And so a wise woman or person builds their home on patience and on kindness, but does not build their home on envy or boasting or with pride. And so let's look at these a little more closely. The word envy in the biblical definition is this. It is sin of jealousy over the blessings or the achievements of others, not you, but of others around you. And when it comes to envy, this is a challenge, honestly, for moms. It's difficult for moms because moms tend to compare a lot more than dads tend to compare. You can just drive down out of your neighborhood and as a mom, be comparing and saying, oh, their home always seems to be so in order. And, that, and their children always seem to be so in order. And that's how we think, right? And we get envious. And we assume that everything in the houses around us are all going perfectly and ours isn't. And so we have this level of envy. And regardless of where you're at in life, whether it's socially, financially, educationally, relationally, emotionally, we all in the room struggle with envy. We just do. And we struggle with it on a daily basis. At the end of this day, if you would look back and evaluate, you would probably, if you're honest, find an area where you envied during this day. So I took my yesterday, which was Saturday, and I said, did I envy it all yesterday? And I thought, you know what? There are three times where there was envy yesterday in my life. The first one was we were doing these community serve projects as a church and that, and one of them was the Cancer Care 5K here. It was the run, walk, and that. I signed up to run, and I've had a variety of health challenges over this last year. Never in my life have I had them and all that, but it's been difficult. And so I used to run marathons. I mean, I've run marathons. I've run over 100 races, all these kind of things, but I could not run yesterday. And so I'm walking this thing, and all these young punks are just blowing by, like going the other way, you know, like walking. They're like way a mile, you know, blowing by. And in my head, I'm envying. I'm thinking, man, I was that guy. I was, not too long ago, I was that guy. Like just last June, I was that guy, you know, that kind of thing. And just envying like youthfulness or being in shape or the ability or whatever, right? And we just do that. We do that. I used to ride a lot of motorcycle and all that kind of stuff. So in the spring, man, when the pipes start coming out and you're just hearing, you know, and that, and I drive down past my neighbors and he's pulling out the bike and that, hey, confession. You envy. Sometimes we pulled in by Jimmy John's yesterday and that, and this guy pulls in on his Harley and that, and I'm sort of like, we struggle with envy. Norbert, our tech guy, was uh, gracious. He served me yesterday late afternoon and came over and helped tweak some uh, troubleshooting on some electrical on the pontoon and that kind of stuff. Because I, I look at like the electrical stuff and just this rat's nest, and I like it's just like like clueless. I'm just like staring. At it. I'm like, where do you begin and all that? And he comes over and he puts his head in there and he's like, oh yeah, here it is. Oh, you get to clip that. You know, do this. Like, hey, test that one over the. And I'm just sitting there like. 
You know, I'm like, Norbert, Norbert, you're the man. You know, I mean, it's like, how do you know this? I, like, how does that just work in your brain, right? Why do we envy? We envy because we want to be like perfect and good at everything. Like we want to be tops at everything. We want to have it all together and everything. We want knowledge and everything, skill and everything, right? And so we struggle with envy. It's just reality. And so I just look at my yesterday and say, man, there were challenges like, like envy. You're like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be there. I wish I had that. Whatever it might be, right? And hopefully I'm not the only one in the room alone <laughs> on this piece. Hopefully we're all honest a little bit. But what's the opposite then of envy? What's the opposite of envy? Because Paul says, hey, love is not envy. Love does not envy. Well, the opposite of envy, I believe, is to enjoy what other people have, be glad for them, and to enjoy their gifts and their knowledge and their abilities, and to be okay with their blessings and their achievements. Because when we get envious, it eats us up. But when we can enjoy what our neighbor has or their skills they have or the knowledge they have, it goes better for us. So a wise mother builds her home by enjoying the blessings and the achievements of her neighbors and her peers around her when it comes to home and family. She practices the, what the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so this whole idea for us of love is not envy, but true love is enjoying what others have and being glad that they have it and they have those skills and abilities. And then he goes on and he says, love is not Envy, love does not boast as well. And the word boast means to make a flamboyant display and speech of one's own worth, to have it be all about us and talk all about us. And it reminds me of a story I've shared before, but of Jim Collins, who was a young executive. He eventually wrote a variety of books, one being the business book, good to great, but as a young executive, he went out to lunch with an older CEO of the company, and over lunch, he spent the whole hour talking about himself and boasting about how great he was and his education and where he was going to go in business, and at the end of that lunchtime, the older CEO just said, hey, Jim, let me give you a little life advice. Let me give you a little life advice. Strive to be more interested than interesting. Strive to be more interested in others than just interesting, like talking about yourself all the time. And it goes with this whole idea of love does not boast. It's not this display of speech about how great we are and how we got it all together in our home and our kids or whatever it might be. But it's being more interested in others around us. And so what's the opposite of boasting? The opposite of boasting is, I think, to be bragging others up, to be talking about 
others as you are with them and being more interested in what's going on in their life. We get this picture from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in the Bible. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, the Apostle Paul here isn't saying that we shouldn't value ourselves or that we should put ourselves down. No, but that when we are amongst others, let's be cautious and careful in how we love. And that we are not so self-absorbed where we try to just be super interesting, but that we are interested in what is going on in their life. Or that we brag on them instead of boasting about us. And so he says, this is love. And so he says, love does not envy. Love does not boast. And then lastly, love is not proud. And what's the definition of pride? It's undue confidence in and attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, possessions, or position. It's this, this ten, there's this tension, right? I mean, it's okay to be proud or to have this healthy pride of like, hey, what you've worked for or an accomplishment. But if our pride comes to a place where we position ourselves above other people in our life and in our community, in our neighborhood, in our business and schools, as we are out and about, then that is not love, Paul is saying. And we all know, if we're honest with ourselves, where we have been in a prideful situation, And we have seen ourselves above others. Whether you're walking through the store, whether you pull up to somebody at a stoplight, and depending on what you're driving and they're driving, regardless of where you live to where someone else might live, to what you wear to what someone else is wearing, from your speech to their speech. We all know that we've had this little bit of this tinge knock on our heart where we have walked away or we're being arrogant in a situation and we have placed ourselves above another. And the Apostle Paul is saying, that is not love. And so the opposite of pride is paying attention to others and valuing them regardless of speech or clothing, regardless of their position in life, education, but to value them because ultimately they're made like you in the image of God. And so the Apostle Paul challenges us in 1 Corinthians 13, in how we are to love, how we are to build our home, how we are to build our lives in love. And he says, love is patient. Love brings out kindness to others. He says, love 
replaces envy with you enjoying what others have around you because you're glad for them. You're happy for them. It's replacing boasting about self to bragging the other person up and encouraging them and giving them good words, compliments. It's moving from a life of pride, a level of where you think you are above others, to paying attention to them and loving them in whatever position they may be in. And the challenge with this, whether you're a mom in the house or a dad in the house, an aunt, an uncle in the house, you're a friend or a neighbor, is that it takes intentional focus to love this way. There's an old golfer, no longer living, named Arnold Palmer. Some of you may recognize the name because of the, the, the drink, the Arnie Palmer. It's half lemonade, half tea. It's a great summer drink. But Arnie Palmer was a professional golfer, amazing golfer, and tells the story of back in 1961 during the Masters Golf Tournament, which is like the biggest golf tournament in America and really in the world, the most prestigious to win. And he talks about how he was up one stroke going into the last hole. He had hit his drive, which was perfect, just where he wanted to be. And he felt like he was in this great spot. And as he was walking up for his second shot, he saw a good friend of his just off the fairway along the gallery. And his friend motioned him over and stuck out his hand and said, congratulations, Arnold. And when he took his friend's hand and he shook it, he said at that moment, he could tell he lost his focus. That pride had set in. His next shot went into the sand trap. His shot after that went across over the green. And he missed his putt and lost the Masters. And he said that he took that lesson with him for the next 30 years of his professional life. Not to lose focus, not to become prideful. And when it comes to our ability to love, we need to focus. We need to be intentional about it. We need to pursue it like we pursue so many other things in our life, right? And give attention to it. Let's be a people who pursue God's way of loving for our marriage, for our children, for our relationships, our neighborhood, our business, our schools, our community. Let's have this kind of love. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that 
you give us a definition of love. We don't have to try to figure it out or define it or beat around the bush looking for it. And I pray this love over each one here today that they would experience it and that they would express it unto others. In Jesus' name, amen.